0: Hello folks, welcome back to Views from the 4-5. It's been a while, uh, but we're we're back and we're covering the, our favourite views from the August and September months.
1: I'm so confused about where we are in time, it's been so long. Time is elastic. T- time time is, is a flat, flat circle, yes. as Matthew McConaughey tells us. You've been <laughs> guesting on other podcasts while you've been away. I
0: have, I've made my first appearance on a football podcast for the Celtic fan site, uh, the 90 Minute Cynic. Um, Yeah, so now I'm like a... I guess a celebrity, I guess you could call me. You know, um... I don't like to brag or anything, but my my rates have gone up to. <laughs>
1: <laughs> did you at least promote this podcast while you were on there? I did. I did. Oh, I did good. mention it okay, for or five. I mean, well, I'm fun. just
0: I'm just disappointed you evidently haven't listened to it. I thought
1: about it, but you know, I, that, that, it, I have no interest. It's is. a deep
0: cut. It's a deep <laughs> cut for Celtic fans. I tell that
1: But you know, I've mentioned it. I noticed you were yeah, on yeah, there.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're a good friend. Anyway, friend, so business yeah. to business. We have got plenty to, to get through. So we're doing similar to what we did with June and July, we're just going to break down five from each month and to kick us off at number five for August, we have Foxing with Nearer My God. Uh, This is one of my favourite albums of the year. It's my favourite emo of the album of the year and it's potentially my favourite non-post-punk album of the year. Um, <laughs> <it a moment laughs> punk, Okay, that I got I got too convoluted. I was this my favourite emo album of the year and it's one of my favourite albums of the year. Um that was very convoluted way to do it. Uh before I dive in, I I'm quite excited to a brief thoughts from Rob.
1: I like it. I think um I think it's an album that I would have connected more with if I were younger. I think there's a lot of things on it. It reminds me a lot of that. Uh, they're obviously going for like a stadium kind of size sound now, They they like their previous album, I know they heard two but I only heard the last one uh, seemed a lot more intimate to me from what I remember I haven't revisited to be honest, whereas this one definitely seems like they're swinging for the fence it's going for a big sound and in the vein of Manchester Orchestra or what that New Jersey band that we don't mention anymore <laughs> did on their album last year uh, kind of going bigger, more broader, catchier and I think they're doing a good job of it. I just there's certain things about it, I find it a bit cloying is the main thing. Uh, like, I don't know, Like the, the title track uh, is uh, what's the main hook of the title track? Does anybody want me at all? Mm. The way he repeats that. like it, I get it. It, I, it is affecting but, and it's definitely the kind of thing that In my teens or, you know, if I'm being honest, in my early 20s, I would have definitely connected with, whereas now I find it a bit grating, especially the amount of times he says it over and over again. Um, And then other things like won't drown, the bravery won't drown, so you keep the water running. Like, it's the kind of fatalistic or die thing that i really would have loved when i was younger whereas now i'm like but what does that actually mean does that mean anything but having said that there's some really good songs catchy songs i love bastardizer i think that's my favorite song on here mm. slapstick is good uh and uh um the song game shark is a bit mental i know andy johnson compared it to um everything everything but for Mm. me it sounds a bit Panic at the Disco I don't know (laughs) which I haven't listened to Panic at the Disco for a long time but for some reason that's what comes up
0: this is when you called John Hopkins like Coldplay again you brought (sighs) up
1: well I mean there's, there's only a little bit of that John Hopkins that just makes it sound like this somehow reminds me of Coldplay but this one I don't, I don't know. Mean, maybe it doesn't sound like Panic at the Disco, but for some reason, that's what pops into my head. But there's a lot, a lot to like on this album, as I'm sure you can express better than I can.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, it, I mean that that is fair. It, it's like it's going. as very like theatrical. Like it's very like the production values of it are astronomical, especially compared to their very timid, um, gothic, more gothic than emo previous records. And um, I think what i really love about this one is how it's grown on me so significantly like i was similar to you when i first heard it and that I, it was like it was just solid and fine but the more like i spent time with it its melodies on unpa- un- like unpack themselves for me especially in songs like like Lich Prince or yeah, I like Lynch Lambert, Prince a lot uh Lambert and then like Bastardizer it, it took me a while to even notice that um <laughs> They've got fucking bagpipes, bagpipes. on, here. and I, 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 that's like something tailor-made for me to 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 dive into, and especially just the way they tapered off in "Baster Diver." It's just such a perfectly constructed song, and I think just the the way the songwriting is, as such, in that it is very textured and very layered, and I, I it can feel, I can see why some people, such as yourself, find it is overproduced to an extent, but I think it just works for me. It works really, really well, and it's just very different to most other most other record like um emo records or like indie rock records coming out where they are fastidiously focusing on this minim- minimalistic production or this this scarcity of instrumentation um but with this it's just going out and it's open-hearted but it's so neurotic as well like i, it's, I wonder oh i feel that's like that's a very that's like a, like a face value thing of what's going here because like in on songs like on like the the title track "Near McGrod, and on "Grand Paradise," he's making and Bastille as well. Like he's unraveling this character of someone who's very interestingly conscious about what's expected of you know the big emo album, and they 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 they, they wanted to make the big album, and I think they've been success in the same way that you know goodness or um, harmlessness was uh, for the previous years of the, the big emo album. Um, and i think they've been successful both in the melodies and thematically as they are trying to confront that and a lot of it is just about the idea of like trying to make music as like as a as a band and trying to survive with your own mental health recording music and touring but because it's like, i don't think it's raised enough just how like alienating it is to to, to tour and you so you're so displaced the entire time and you're just you're just expected to be able to function properly. I don't know. There's
1: a really good song on the Boy Genius EP about that. Mm, Um, But we'll talk about that later. Um, Yeah, I think I was guilty of, because there is a lot of upfront big choruses on it, like hearing it the first few times and thinking, yeah, I get what's going on. Whereas when you mentioned that you wanted to talk about it on the podcast, I did go back to it and start noticing more about it. So as you say, it is definitely a grower. Uh, The other teenage thing I wanted to mention about it is Trapped in Dillard's, which is about being trapped in the mall, which just reminds me of an episode of The O.C. <laughs> I don't know if there's a deeper um, metaphor going on there <laughs> that I don't know about, but it just reminds me of The O.C., which is another reason why I can't... I feel like this is very... I don't know. It's mm. it's, it's not an adolescent album, but it, it does it, have...
0: It feels part of that, like, early movement.
1: Yeah. And I feel like the biggest... The people who will adore this album the most are probably... Uh, you know, teens and early twenties. Mm. I don't know. Death Cab fans. Death Cab fans. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to mention the new Death Cab album, which yeah. also came out in the interim, because this is definitely much more interesting than that. Um, so yeah, if if you were thinking about checking out the new Death Cab, or if you were disappointed by the new Death Cab, the nearer by nearer, my God, by Foxy might be the one.
0: Yeah, I definitely say if you're into any of the new new wave emo stuff at all, like the World Is a Beautiful Place or the hotel you're or the bands that, but well, you used to be a fan of <laughs> the, the one that we don't mention anymore. Yeah, um, yeah, go for it. You can't listen, the I said. up next we have terza with devotion
1: terza is a south london singer who works with mika levy they've been best friends for like a long time and i think for a while they kind of just made these songs together with no intention of ever releasing them i think terza is very humble and you get that from her music like she just wants to be like she's a mother now a new mother and i think she just wants to kind of live a a, an easy life and she never really thought that she would be a singer or or, or something that would become a, a profession for her but now she's released Devotion her first album is out on Domino and it's 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 incredible like I don't know how to sum it up because it's so as I said humble so intimate quite stripped back production usually just a simple loop or a drum line or a, sometimes a guitar loop and her lyrics are very yeah, intimate and personable, and and feel like they are just almost things that she th- that go through her head on a daily basis. Um, what do you think of it?
0: Yeah, I'm I'm like similar. It's like it's almost in a way. It's not not like an album. I, I, like I can't like comparisons are very thin and spring to mind. Yeah, obviously it's like taming to the that the that that you know that the trademark left by like Kalele or. Who was the other phenomenal R&B release of last year? Uh, I can't remember.
1: It reminds me a bit of Moses Sumney as well. This, but even, yes, exactly. Yeah. Even Moses and and Kalele are much bigger, more bassy. In the case of Moses, he has a lot of uh, strings and stuff. Whereas with Tozer, it is so stripped down, skeletal, and that's really to its credit and to its and it's a strength that it it, it goes partners well with her very simple but affecting lyrics. And the the few um, guest vocals she has from Kobe Say and I think there might be one other one are really good. But this is just her album and it's a short, intimate 40 minutes that's just so easy to, to adore. And uh, I was surprised that you saw her live and she had a band because I thought these songs are so simple that she would just do it with a backing track.
0: No, well, well it was, well, she had, it wasn't so much a band. they had like two backing singers who had instruments with with. Uh, with her, but yeah, I think she was like really. I was just there was like this 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 weird hybrid of um, vulnerability and confidence, like there's, there's this like this swaggering self awareness that just worked really really well. Um, I think it was like she, and her voice was just incredible live. Like you can do this. Like, the idea of just this there was this huskiness to it, but just like this clarity as well is just really and it just like you really captured I guess the idea of well that hybrid say, of vulnerability and like as, like sort of sexy confidence is something that's typified like that typifies her music isn't it it's just something that like comes through altogether. but it's just so interesting and in how like she like layers and overdubs her vocals over like very minimalistic but also times very intricate instrumentation I think it's just, it's just impeccably well done and she, really i can see why it's loads of people's favorite
1: album of the year yeah because it is just so easy to enjoy it does feel yeah i keep saying intimate but it feels very personable and when you listen to it you feel like you are sitting next to her as she looks after her child or going out on the town with her or whatever there's songs that are a lot of them are very contemplative and slow but there's a couple like holding on where they pick up the pace of it and they are really catchy as well and like there are some genuine I don't wanna say bangers because none of them bang, but there's some really catchy like songs on there. So Devotion by Terza. Highly recommended. Absolutely. You don't
0: and we go into the top three now with Helena Half with Quam.
1: You wrote about this one, so why don't you take it away?
0: Yeah, so the thing I like the the, the phrase I came up with was tumble dryer techno mm. and I absolutely feel shaken about by it. And that it's not necessarily just techno, there's quite a lot of acid and straight up like gothica and and in there as well as well various elements of trance but is fundamentally just very humbly gratifying techno there's and the idea that is that it's all very layered and um but you can if you take your time you can just sit back and appreciate just how pounding and pulverizing it is but if you actually take time and uh you can like, discern each individual element, so you can see a specific drum program uh, alongside one synth line versus a deeper synth pad uh, alongside like, um, working, collaborating together on how they just work as a melody is just truly stunning, really. Uh, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I find it still really interesting how when you see her DJ, she plays quite austere, banging techno, but when it comes to her own productions, there's a lot more intricacies and layers to it. As you say, a lot of the songs on this album aren't even necessarily techno tracks. Like, There's a few, like uh, Qualm is more of a, like a an interlude mm. kind of bit. Um, but I think when she does get to the highest, most like party starting tracks, like hyper intelligent, genetically enriched mm. cyborg and the smell of suds and steel yeah. that come back to back together in the middle of the album, it is like, they do set off. Like they, then there's so many like siren, like synths just going mad and the amount of loops. And she's like, obviously very precisely, Put them all together, and and the way that she's kind of layered them does emphasize. It does. It doesn't feel like there's certain drops or whatever, but there are moments where it just suddenly feels like the energy is just ramped up, and um, it's a it's such an unusual sound. I don't think there's anyone who really makes music like her.
0: No, because she just she just uses one synthesizer on a drum machine. It's not like the intricate setup of I don't know it's some more like homogeneous techno Dj and it's just it's just so lo-fi and it just feels so properly like even like coming across the the normative of industrial it just you could just envision like this bleaked out factory landscape it, for a it's tailor-made for that sort of environment but unfortunately when we saw her, saw her uh, at e1, it was just a DJ. it was a five hour dJ set and she didn't play anything off the new album, she, yeah, but it was actually it was it's completely different. It was like sort of like really fun electro and tech house was like,
1: yeah, because I think that's that's the thing. I don't think her her songs, I don't know, I feel like those two I mentioned could work in a club setting, but mm-hmm. the majority of her songs aren't really club ready. I no. would say I would say they're more for you know, personal headspace getting mm. into the groove, maybe working to or yeah. walking to, running yeah. to, I don't know. But dancing, there's a bit more, there's too, kind of too much going yeah. on to kind of find that insistent groove that's going to keep you going for hours.
0: Yeah, I definitely, I think of it as like more of a, it's kind of like, like, if you're like pre-drinking by yourself, you'd listen to this to get like hyped for it. I think.
1: Interesting, yeah, that's but, a good way to yeah,
0: say like, if, like, if, if like, For example, like before I was going out to a club night and I was just like, even if I was like reading or playing FIFA or something like that, I'd stick this album on and get me properly hyped for it. Even if yeah. you can't probably dance to you, just like and yeah. the zone, etc. And
1: it does feel like, although she's been around for a few years now, it feels like she's actually her her notoriety is definitely still increasing. And the release of this and um, last year's EP on Ninja Tune is a sign of that. Mm. And the fact that she can like headline E1 and be on one of the biggest names on fabric's upcoming birthday like she's she's her renown is is uh increasing and that is very much justified because she's obviously a multifaceted artist you just have to listen to what she does in the studio and what she does behind the decks to realize that she her mind is just made to make to work with these kinds of Musics. And I bet she could do more if she wanted to. I bet oh she yeah, could do yeah. I'm thing. really
0: excited to see how she evolves and changes over time because she is just getting better. There's a clear trajectory to her career both as a DJ and as a producer.
1: Yeah. Um, so that is Quan yeah. by Helena Half. <laughs>
0: Next up, we have Mitsuki with Be The Cowboy.
1: Yeah, and this is my personal album of the year uh, because it's 14 tracks, 30-odd minutes, and I don't think there's an ounce of fat on this thing. I love every single second of it from beginning to end, and I was lucky enough to get to sit down with her and speak to her about it. Probably the most intimidated I've ever been. I don't know why, because she's like a tiny Japanese-American woman who's absolutely lovely, but I just it's really because of listening to this album realizing how talented she is and and how how intricate her thoughts and and her the way she thinks about the world and relationships and stuff i didn't want to like come across as a as a fucking idiot which i probably did like a lot of the stuff that didn't make the interview was just me going i really like this part in this song and she's going, like, oh thanks and not ex- not expanding on it at all <laughs> um, but anyway the thing about Be The Cowboy is her previous album, her breakthrough album Puberty 2 uh, was a very personal album and a lot of her albums up to this were obviously kind of missives from her own life like songs like Happy and Your Best American Girl were so searingly honest and, and seemed to come straight from her life that I feel like she kind of wanted to step away from that this time also she wants to step away from using distorted guitars so on "Be the cowboy she's got much more diverse sound which i think is great and that also helps with making it i don't know some people like uniformity but i think this these are these all fit together really well and the way they've sequenced it is fantastic but also every single one is kind of a vignette it's kind of a different story of a different character they're not there's definitely bits of Mitski's personality in there and definitely her point of view, but they are not Mitski. Like, obviously, the most obvious ones are me and my husband. She's not married. Things like Old Friend, which is about a uh, a couple who used to have a relationship and are now in other relationships but still think about each other all the time. And the way she manages to encapsulate all of that history in, like, two minutes... And, and the feelings that still resonate within them within two minutes is amazing. A song like Nobody is just a four on the floor disco song, which also has an amazing video if you haven't seen it. And a song like Two Dancers," Two Slow Dancers," which finishes the album is a really beautiful way to end. Uh, and it's another kind of vignette of two people who, who are lovers in a past life, who kind of come together again at a high school reunion and have this moment outside of time where they can relive that. You know high school love again and and the way and she manages to encapsulate all of this in really smart um and and the economy of words that she uses is worth sitting down and just reading through the the lyrics as you listen to this this album because there's so many every single one is a story a short story i think what do you think of it
0: I mean, yeah, you're pretty much just like you've got a good summation there. (laughs) Um,
1: As I said, it's my favorite album of the year. I've listened to it so many times.
0: Yeah, I think like I think it's tough to like like, add anything to that. You've you've pretty much covered everything I wanted to say. But I accept just I think it is. It's almost like a short story collection rather than an album. Just it just happens to have this fantastic songwriting underneath it. Underneath all these like impeccably. Observed narratives that are both very singular, but they also feed into each other as well. Like there's that you can like, like the best short story collections. There's a running theme through yeah. it, and there is that sense that the idea, like the the overwhelming consumptive power of love, but also its frailty and at times its impossibility. And I think this may be a specious comparison, but it does remind me of like really, really good Death Cab. Um, and that and that the idea that like, just the the that that version of love where you're really as the aspirational love and it's like, improbability just is... Uh, the it's something that they just work, both of them Ben Gibbard and Mitski just better than anyone else I think just managed to articulate that with such such like. Um, visceral emotion but always like self-aware humor as well there's there are the both of them are winking about it to some degree as well um yeah i I think it's it's utterly phenomenal um and it it does
1: it does and yeah as you say it is about the consumptive nature of love but also veers from the very cynical end in something like me and my husband where she's kind of saying how maybe they don't really love each other anymore but cuz they've got each other and they they can lean on each other through life and they're going to stick to it for through life and to the other end of the scale um the pink in the night which is just truly someone so in love with someone else that they go they glow pink in the night and their heart is breaking in a million I love you's. And I, was, I asked her, why, why is your heart breaking when you're so in love? And she almost scolded me. She's like, it doesn't have to be sad if your heart breaks. Sometimes it's a good thing. And uh, also last week, someone tweeted a video of, of someone walking down the aisle to that song. And she retweeted it and said it brought her to tears. And I watched the clip. And it actually works really well as a song to walk down the aisle to. So, <laughs> something, yeah. something to keep in mind. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Be the Cowboy by Mitski. Absolutely smasher. Perfect.
0: I know I think I think uh Pink in the Night is quite a big upgrade on well my, my girlfriend went to a wedding a few weeks ago and they walked down the aisle to uh Coldplay and the Chainsmokers. Smokers. Oh my god. What, what even song was <laughs> yeah, that? I don't know, but I like, can't I don't know. Uh, it's pretty pretty bleak that you're walking down there. So yeah. if, you, if you're listening, I hope you're absolutely ashamed of yourself.
1: <laughs> Not trying to alienate anyone. I hear my heart breaking.
0: Do you hear it too? It's like a summer shower With every drop of rain
1: singing I love, you, I love you, I love you, I love you I love you, I love
0: you, I love you I love you We're moving on to our number one for uh, August, which is Ido's "Joy" as an act of resistance.
1: Now this is huge. This is a monumental album. This
0: <laughs> that's, that's one. Yeah, that's the that's the way to put it.
1: Yeah. Do you want to start? Okay.
0: Um, this is, I this is probably my straight up favorite album of the year. Um, we've got well, it's maybe overtaken. Hopkins. There's probably like three contenders at this point, and this might have the slight edge over the other two. Um, I think it's just—it just must be so hard to write a song where a all twelve of them, all twelve singles are like insanely catchy, insanely funny, entertaining stuff that you can bounce along to. Well, I but wouldn't every,
1: say every single one is funny.
0: Well, no, not every single. Well, but there's all there's like there's hooks to them, there's melodies to them, there's all like very, very individualistic as well. They're quite singular in their own respects. And underscoring them all is this incredibly nuanced, sincere, but also ironic and unabashedly direct explorations of masculinity, class, um, the, the the representations of the media, the the political atomization, and it just it's like a portrait of Britain as like as a as a ugly mirror. Of what Britain is, and is also offering at the same time a quite a hopeful manifest of what we could be and what we should be, and then if that's not enough inside it, just wrapped up in the right in the middle of it is the song June, which is legitimately one of the most heartbreaking songs I've ever written. I just I think it just I, I know it's the idea of like proximity, and I've listened to it so much, but I generally think it's one of the most. I, I can not recall many times where I've had a gut punch that intense where I've literally... I was on the tube the
1: first time I heard it and an nearly collapse onto a heap. It's named for singer Joe Talbot's Stillborn Child, June. And it's a very honest and devastating song about his feelings. And it's not like it sticks out like a sore thumb on this album because it does also... The sheer uh, vulnerability of it does play into many of the other... Uh, themes running through joy as an act of resistance mainly the idea of toxic masculinity which is most directly confronted on the song that follows it samaritans which might be my song of the year where it's it it is just there's a mask that's wearing me it's a mask of masculinity and it's just about and the idols although they sound loud and and talbot's voice is quite gruff and whatever and it might be quite easy to assume that they're kind of laddie or or alpha maley they're absolutely not that at all um they're flying in the face of that and it is such an interesting uh package of these very loud and brash rock songs with very tender and heartfelt lyrics well not always tender like the song like never fight a man with a perm is literally about you know <laughs> fighting a man in the street um and i'm scum is about being scum and being proud of that and but it's easy to most of the time when we talk about idols and we talk about this album we're always talking about the lyrics and what they stand for and that is obviously the main thing that sets it apart but it's, we should also mention how it is just a really fucking amazing and dynamic rock album like no we should not overlook what Joe Talbot's band members do mm. the the like go see them live mm. and see if you can stop yourself from moshing because the the guitars the riffs the the breakdowns the 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 sidewinding kind of um post-punk is just insane and that's what makes this the joe talbot's lyrics really fly like a song like danny nadelco which is basically just a, a punk rock football chant about immigrants and immigration and how we need them and how much they bring to this country and kind of put uh, Danny, Danny Nadelko as one of their Estonian friends, and kind of just putting him front and center as a as an example of one great uh, friend that they have from overseas, and turning it into this chant that kind of is unifying. And unity is one of the main message is the main message that they want to send from joy as an act of joy as an act of resistance and. I don't know if it's really going to change people's minds, but it definitely galvanizes those of us who have these kinds of feelings about being jaded about where we are as a country, as we carry on endlessly talking about Brexit and blaming things on immigrants for no reason and, and talk about, you know, problems like the, on the first album, uh, one of the main things they talked about was the nhs and how much that we how much that how much we should value that and we undervalue it and the people who work for it and because Joy talbot's mother worked for the nhs as an, a nurse many hours a week and that is still in the background on Joy's and an active resistance but, we, but it's more all-encompassing than that and it's not as though even though they are he is trying to Touch on many different topics. He's not, he's not like glossing over them. He is making very solid points and catchy ones and hilarious ones. And I don't know how, what else is there to say about Joy as an act of resistance. Uh, listen to it. Yeah. And um, go and see them live. Yeah,
0: they 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 are the most like thrilling live band in the UK at the minute. Uh, you, you you can't really grasp that until you do see them live. So go see that yeah
1: and it is because it, it unity basically yep. is singing along to these songs that do genuinely feel like protest songs yeah but unifying ones well, yep. i guess protest is unifying yep. anyway
0: and you'll feel you'll feel it's it's often the case that i imagine you'll share us in the feeling of helplessness and like the futility that we often feel all the time in you know capital letters the political t- tumult. Um, so just the idea that to have this as just as like a pure catharsis of the moment, and to n- to not feel alone, and to, to feel affirmed and re- like ready, even in, even if it it's entirely immaterial or it's entirely illusory, to have that idea of a revolution as imminent, and it feels really imminent when you after when you step out the bar, when you're absolutely exhausted, when just sweat pouring it out out of you, you feel like ready that you can take the world on with this band soundtracking And it's it's really special.
1: Yeah, and I hope that they will be held up as the most important band in this country right now. Yeah. Even if they don't make any mark overseas. Yeah. But I they no. still will. No, I mean nowhere. I know I know that people they they've still been touring overseas and who peop and obviously killing it still no matter where they play. So even if maybe the US press is not as enamored with them as mm. we are, the people out there are still connecting with it. Yeah. So, anyway, Joy is an Act of Resistance by Idols, our number one album of August and maybe beyond. Very possibly. made
0: made made flesh, made love, made So we'll slide into the autumn months now. Uh, well, with our number five pick for September, Tim Hecker with
1: he a Japanese for my life over there, and uh, that is kind of thematic to the album. Tim Hecker is a an amb- ambient or instrumental artist. It's kind of hard to define yeah. where he sits. Um, his last album, Love Streams, I would definitely say is instrumental because it was, even though there's well there was a bit of vocals in that the sound is just so built up and and dense whereas on konoyo his new album there's a lot more use of space and and atmosphere than has been on an album of his since maybe rave death 1972 um and for this one he 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 moved to japan for a while and collaborated with a japanese ensemble called the Gaku ensemble and they used ancient japanese instruments called the show the ryuki and the kichikiri or something like that and i don't know what any of those sound like and i probably still don't know after listening to tim hecker's album because they've obviously played for him he's recorded them and then manipulated them in lots of crazy ways to i don't know listening to kanoyo is is quite transportative but not it's kind of i don't know i feel like it's Almost like walking down a hall of mirrors of sounds in a way, or stepping into another dimension full of different reflective lights. It's a really experiential album. What have you found listening to it?
0: Yeah, but it's it is entirely experiential, as will become evident as we work our way through it. Like September is a very aesthetically pleasing month. It's yeah. very light down to like production and the, the the practice of listening to an album, rather than necessarily extrapolating theme or anything much more than that <laughs> it's just about almost like pure the pleasure of listening and i think this is a like, perfectly symbolic of that and that is is just really gorgeously composed and it's very textured and layered and it's this is going to be one of those albums i return to to read to because it just feels it's deceptively complex because it is very, you know, something that you just like, you can't just like lay back to, but that, that would be ignoring is very intricate melodies, especially in, on a song like in Death Valley as well, which, where it can get very dense without ever losing the, the purity of the melody there as well.
1: Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's hard to describe Tim Hecker's music at the best of times, uh, And so it's best if you just go listen to it. But I do want to have a quick sidebar here about 4AD. Because uh, Tim Hecker's last album, Love Streams, came out on 4AD. And now he's back on Cranky, his old label for this one. And I can't imagine that he signed to 4AD just for one album. Similar to Torres, who released one album on 4AD and then got dropped. And she made a very big deal about that. I think Tim Hecker maybe kind of just kept, was very subtle about it and Mm. just went back to cranky without making a fuss there's also other things coming out of 4AD like Grimes we don't still don't know what the hell's going on with Grimes and her album Um, I'd be interested to see if um, Holly Herndon's next album will come out on 4AD or not because if they're trying to streamline and get rid of some of their more experimental artists I don't know but anyway it's interesting I don't know all we can do is speculate about what's going on at 4AD mainly I want them to just release the Grimes album and make Deer Hunter hurry up. And <laughs> but I do you follow Deer Hunter on, on Instagram. I don't. They're posting stuff from the studio all the time and it sounds it looks so good, but they're still in there. and They've been there for like months now. So I hope that they'll just do a, a surprise drop when it's finally ready. But anyway, that's pure speculation.
0: <laughs> and we don't do that here. We're an <laughs> entirely news reputable outfit. Um... Yeah. uh, Anything, anything more to say about
1: Tim? Tim Hacker. Can just go experience it? Yeah,
0: experience indeed. Another album to experience, though. uh, Although I I, I would would be entirely disingenuous to say this is entirely an aesthetic album because there's a lot to unpack. Yeah,
1: this is more of one you should engage with. Yeah. Uh, This is No Name, the Chicago rapper Fatima Warner with her new album, Room 25. Uh, Do you want to start on this one?
0: Yeah, all right. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I guess I've only listened to it twice, but I think what to start off like. Telephone had so much. Her well, her previous album from 2016. There was so much on there about identity and womanhood and what it means to be, especially be a, a black woman and engaging how you like fit your identity into in in this very patriarchal white supremacist state. How do you, your that identity is fitting a square peg into a own hole. Um And it was, but she, like, the, the the production on it was so, like, gentle and languid, but also, like, just really precise. And it just worked incredibly well with her wonderful flow. Like, she just, I just, like, it's, I can't really think of another comparison to be made for because it, it just, like, sputters out. It, it's, it's, yeah,
1: flow is the most loquacious. Yeah, it's, it's, like it's,
0: like, it's like word vomit, but, yeah. but, beautiful and yeah but it's, not in the
1: way of well i suppose it is a in line with mumble mm-hmm. rap but it's not like you can't yeah. understand it you can yeah. still understand everything she's oh yeah,
0: it's entirely it's entirely measured it's not like the the sort of like performative laziness of mumble rap It's entirely calculated but it sounds so easy and it is like spoken word poetry to this backdrop of like really gentle synthesizers and laid back beats you know the sort of kind of thing like you know the sort of beats that have been sold to some producer for spotify lazy sunday playlist but it just works really well to her her vocals and it's just and i think this is something that she's like maintained with room 25 and it's just it's not she's not really tweaked the formula that intensely but it's just really effective and when she does she brings in some cool like um, guests, and there are like when they have Ravan Lou Lenny, in there as well. It works really well.
1: Yeah, I think um, as you said on the previous album, Telephone, it was a lot about black identity and being a female rapper. Whereas on this one, I think she's kind of shifted more towards appreciating being alive and time, mm-hmm. and also sharing some fears about what what the future holds the centerpiece of the album for me is don't forget about me which is Mm. you know as it says uh you know after i die don't forget about me i hope my mother doesn't forget about me on that track uh it's a very it's quite lush but in a very subtle way and she says uh uh, somebody hit d'angelo i think i'm gonna need his help on this one which kind of gives you an idea of like Mm. the soulfulness that she's going for but at the same time whereas d'angelo the last album black messiah was quite built up and 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 forceful and bassy This is It's not skeletal But it's also quite gentle It's all very gentle Which kind of fits with her Loquacious flow very well And then there are some songs Where they are a bit punchier And popular, Like Montego Bay And what's the other one uh, Maybe Window I can't remember One of the ones with Felix on mm. uh, And But I, it is just a very mm, What's the word just it is quite personable again it's about as i said it's about being appreciative of what you have what she I, but she isn't afraid to also celebrate herself a little bit have a little bit of cocksureness, and she should um because she's easily one, not only one of the best rappers but one of the best you know her bars are amazing and that's also an amazing part of what she does is that the way she raps makes it sound so casual but what she's rapping could not just be off the top of her head she must have worked and reworked these lines over and over again to make them fit how she wanted to and make them meaningful like everything she says is meaningful whether it's a pun or whether it's a confession or whether it's a put down or a brag every single one is is has had some thought go into it and the way that she delivers it so yeah i just think she's really exciting yes she is so no name room 25
0: somebody hit d'angelo i think i need them on this one brothers and sisters mamas cousins uncles everyone missing somebody dancing daylight
1: i know everyone goes someday i know my body's fragile no it's made from clay but if i Oh, I pray my soul is still eternal and my mama don't forget about me. I pray
0: my mama don't forget about me And now we move on to all of our quotes. Or is it Quartus?
1: Quotes? Coats. Coats. <laughs> Not uh, Quartus, like sh- Sebastian Coates. Sh- no. Uh,
0: Shelley's on Zen La.
1: Yes, so this is out on Revenge International. The second uh, uh, Mika Levy um, the collaborator that we mentioned today after Terza that's where I first came across him. Oliver Coates and Mika Levy put out an album called something that I've forgotten a couple of years ago that was really interesting, kind of uh, experimental electronic. And then when Oliver Coates signed to Revenge International, they put out Charlev, which is one of the central songs on Shelley's on Zen La, And the first time I heard it, it's just so hypnotic and weird and and um, fluorescent I don't know if you'd call it techno. It's kind of techie. It's got this weird. It's very bubbly synth with crazy drum pattern, drum machine patterns under it, and and the way that he loops vocals throughout the album is is really in, like alien, but also like get hooks into your brain in minute and un unhookable ways. Um, and Shelley's on Zen La it is, Shelley's was a nightclub in stoke-on-trent and zendla is a is a fictional planet that he's made up so it's kind of like i dug into this a lot when i wrote about the album it's kind of his vision of shelley's being reborn on his fictional planet called zendla and i don't know thinking about it from that point of view makes a lot of sense because these are very kind of um fluorescent as i said songs songs that sound quite alien with I mean, the comparison to Aphex Twin is... Inevitable. It is inevitable. But whereas Aphex Twin feels over-complex sometimes, mm. Oliver Coates is kind of happy to set out his his pat- his drum pattern early and let it run for six or seven or eight minutes mm. while just manipulating and adding layers of different um, burbling and, and grating synths to it that make it even more hypnotic and... and Make it even more engrossing. Uh, how have you found this album,
0: yeah. I, I think again, you've like summed up really well there, but it is just it is a more edifying aphex twin. But I actually that's that's doing him a disservice because there's a lot, there's a lot here that aphex for all for all the you know the zeitgeist god that he is it, yeah. that he's not capable of, the like the the, the sheer. Gorgeousness of some of these me- melodies, especially on yeah. Prairie, but also in even like both that that twin of cello Renoir and um, Prairie, and then also in like Charlie as well. There's just it's just like the the way the really sort of IDM intense drum machine and synthesizers play with his distorted cello, and it, that's it's so fascinating to hear like how how he manipulates and. Like dismembers his cello. Yeah, we haven't even mentioned something. that he is
1: first and yeah. foremost a cellist. Yeah. Uh, and he's played cello for the likes of Radiohead and Johnny Greenwood but on this one he goes. He only uses it sparingly and even when he does use it you might not even recognise it as a cello because he messes with the sounds and puts it through lots of filters or, or puts it at the very bottom of the mix just kind of underscoring things. Um, and that's where that's why the comparison to Apex Twin doesn't really do him any service. The, the only... It's interesting to Apex Twin because it hits the same kind of pleasure centres, um, but but because he uses things like he has a lot of guest female vocalists that he kind of you can never really make out any of the words they're saying. He kind of loops clips of their voices and puts it mixes it in, and it, so it is kind of like I, I keep coming back to the alien thing because I think that is something that he wanted to cultivate with the idea of Shelley's on Zen love and it, it is it does feel like an alien broadcast sometimes like these sounds coming through across a distant ra- a radar from a distant planet or something through these layers of feedback or or uh, uh, just distortion or sometimes a beautiful synth you know um so yeah Shelley's on Zen love by Oliver Coates someone to look out for
0: Gen- genuinely genuinely brilliant She and number four. Law
1: nana, law 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 She number four.
0: And it's the, they just the, show the strength of September. Uh, we number one to Low Double Negative. Another utterly uh, brilliant, yeah, aesthetically
1: superlative album. A very interesting album. Lots yeah. to talk about. Uh, firstly, what's your background with Low? Have you followed them much? Because this is their twelfth album. They've yeah. been going since the early nineties.
0: Yeah, and like, yeah, like they've always been a band. I guess. In a way, my relationship to Lowe is similar to my relationship to Beach House. Mm -hmm. And this album is very similar to uh, Seven as well. In that, there were both bands that I liked and appreciated and they were very much like very good like uh, playlists, playlist band. Yeah, because they've got so much. Yeah, and then they've just got some individual singles and tracks that I absolutely love. But this what like Seven, the Beach House album, it just, it, knocked me over I just wasn't expecting it to be this incredible um, and it is utterly brilliant I mean it, it immediately establishes itself because they were they're a fairly sort of like a slow core rock band yeah, bef- yeah, before he
1: tinged rock band yeah. and it's because they're you know this is their 12th album of their career and and their last few I got into them around come on which came out in 2011 which most people would put as a middling album of theirs but I absolutely love But yeah, since then they've released a couple more albums, which have kind of just gone more towards the, you know, good songs, but quite predictable. And it Mm. felt like you know, okay, they're twenty albums, twenty years into their career now. They're probably it's like a band like Wilco. They're just regressing towards fine, but nothing, nothing outstanding. And then Double Negative comes along and completely shakes that up. Mm. And I think a lot of it is to do with working with B.J. Burton, the producer, and Alan Sparhawk in the press release announcing this said he wanted to see what a real hip-hop guy could do to their sound. And what he's done is fucking added layers of distortion, Mm. really interesting production technique where it's just like kind of very craggly and fuzzy over the top of their usual their usual beautiful songs are in there but they have this layer of just bleakness over the top and it seems it makes it seem like alan sparhawk and mimi parker's voices are kind of singing from the other side of a void mm. sometimes and it, it is quite a heavy album mm. because of that um but of course th- that these wouldn't stand up if it weren't for the fact that they are amazing songs as well and beautiful and, Maybe more powerful songs than they've written for a while. I'm pretty sure that they are inspired by the current political climate. Like, there's a lot of hopelessness and hopefulness both at play in this. I feel like one of the main factors that makes Lowe so amazing is this double edge of having Alan Sparhawk's quite grimy male voice next to Mimi Parker's absolutely radiant beam of light voice and the way they use that on this to kind of show these two lo- sides of light and dark is quite amazing and it, I didn't think I would hear an album this experimental from a band this far into their career um and whereas on previous low albums you could pretty much get what they're going for within a few within a listen or two this one really takes a lot to get to get underneath you know yeah
0: yeah well i mean just yeah just going on it is just i think i can't like it was just so radical and it's just the 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 first opening two tracks just establish that like quorum and then dancing in blood especially dancing in blood yeah just it's got this like this this almost like vibrational techno beat to it like this really sort of like slowed down tech rather than 120 bpm is what about 80 bpm or something and it's and it's just so distorted and everything. It reminds me the the final fifteen minutes of the Frank Darabont film The Mist, mm-hmm. where it's just so apocalyptic and ethereal. Even though that's such an overused word in music journalism, I'm just good. At, I feel like it does work quite well here. And yeah, and um, and it, it's just so. Hit- didn't, Feel, the entire album feels so unsettling but beautiful yeah. at the same time and you, it's like that, that that best feeling where you, it's unsettling and beautiful but you, you can't really explain why for either case because it's just something that's quite instinctive and, um, and that's down to the songwriting and the production as you say just having this guy come in and then just I guess it's, you can't say it's down to the collision of ideas they have there just all working in together
1: yeah and it's it's a credit too low that they are willing to do something like to allow a producer to fuck with their sound so much and and push them to more experimental realms this far into their career when they've made 11 albums of really nice beautiful you know slow core rock songs to to do something completely different and usually when I mean there's a lot of been always been a lot of darkness and cynicism in, in Lowe's music but I always on most of their albums I end up feeling quite happy and, and full of love whereas on Double Negative it ends with Always in the Dark and then Disarray which is suit so, to such bleak songs mm-hmm. but n- even in that bleakness Mimi Parker's voice which is my favorite, one of my favourite voices in the world just it makes me feel better. <laughs> this is it, basically it? Yeah. So, yeah, double negative. And if you can see Low Live, they are one of the best live bands currently going. Especially if you can see them in a sit down venue where you can just sit down and let it wash over you. It's so good. Perfect. <laughs>
0: but not least certainly not least definitely not uh, least the, uh, our favourite album September Yves Tumor
1: Safe in the Hands of Love correct the producer's Got it. Got it. first album for Warp mm. uh, which seems like the right place for him yeah. to end up given how how genre pushing how boundary pushing this album is I mean there's no boundary you can easily slot this into even individual songs don't fit into any specific genre uh, you said you've listened to it about 10 times in the last two days, yeah. so what has that left you with?
0: Well, as I say, this is one of those albums you classically listen to once, but you're doing something quite heck, of the way, so you don't actually you can't really have the space to enjoy it and then when we said, I said, just for virtue of it being so loud, I'd say, okay, let's talk about it. and then I've just like can't stop listening to it yeah. and as, I, as you say it's, it's, it reminds me a lot, it's like it's what I imagine a can you like they it, it, take the best of Kanye West and the best of One Trick's point never and that's this album. Production how, wise. As is how I'd is how I'd describe it. And that it has a WinO is very esoteric but very exacting production elements. And then you also that kanye's obviously he's effectively cancelled uh now. But, but like, when you go back to like his old school production, there was they were Weird, but they were so effective in the way, and in the, that version of rapping, like he used his his voice as a as a prop. Obviously, with 808s and heartbreak, that actually that was such a seminal um, pioneer in terms of using autotune and everything. And Eve's voice is, is is similar, like in the with um, it sounds like something like a like a cloud rap, like something like Lil Peep, and that is that very emo distortion drenched whale. To the background of these incredibly sophisticated production and it goes from I guess you could say like pure cloud rap and then by way of soul by way of IDM similar to one, one tricks even to Oliver Coates and at times and at low because there's so much distortion and it goes straight up R&B and there's vague elements of even stuff like some like house or tech house there yeah, as well it ambient. just covers everything ambient
1: yeah Um Yeah, when Noid was the first song to be released from it, and it is like a compared to the rest of the album, which we hadn't heard at the time, it is just a like a future, a forward facing pop song. And in terms of lyricism as well, you know, I I can't go outside, I feel full my life is the main hook. Um, and but even as you mentioned that they it touches on all these genres, there's something else in it and all of it that is unclassifiable even a song like noid towards the end the backing track is is pretty much screaming and sirens Mm. wailing and you don't really realize it because it's so enmeshed in this melodic groove uh that it and yeah as you say this is an album that you need to kind of listen to many times to kind of unpeel it or start to realize how many layers there are to it and it's also a very of the moment album not just because of the sound the, and the the uniqueness of his production, but the lyrics where you can make them out are all about identity and love. I mean, it's called Safe in the Hands of Love. And we talked about how Idols is a song about unity, and that's more about kind of active unity, whereas I think uh, Safe in the Hands of Love is also a song, uh, uh, an album about unity, but it's more about philosophical unity, about coming together spiritually, about accepting who you are uh i mean look at any of eve's press photos and you know he he he's keen to show that he is an unusual person an unusual kind of he he wants to express it like the cover of the album he's got blue skin basically and, and a lot of the press photos to do with it was him what many people would describe as him looking like a monster and there are kind of monstrous elements to safe in the hands of love um like even a song like licking an orchid which is a very tender song there's some quite unsettling images in there that are also very personal to him as a as as a human being and then there's other songs like recognizing the enemy where he he's talking about, I look so different, I can't recognize myself. And then you look at the title, Recognizing the Enemy. Is the enemy himself? Is the enemy people who don't, who won't accept him for what he wants to be? Um, and then another song, like, Hope and Suffering, Escaping Oblivion and Overcoming Powerlessness, It's basically just, like, it almost sounds like, a, like a, an audio clip from a war zone. Like, there's definitely machine gun fire in there. And, and it's like a weird, layered. I wouldn't even call it a song necessarily. It's more of a performance piece. And then there are some really just beautiful and catchy and songs you can like songs like um, "Honesty" and "Lifetime." I it's, and and despite having this such so much diversity, it is does all fit together really well under the umbrella that Eve's is Eve's two more and his unique very unique very forward-thinking pioneering i would say mm. style and i don't know if you it, calling him a producer it seems to discredit him calling him a, a singer mm. I he is an artist yeah. like this is more than in like as i mentioned the hope and suffering is almost like a performance piece the whole thing is is like an art exhibition mm. in a way of sound and I don't know I, I, each one is its own kind of moving picture uh, an idea full of ideas and is another one that is very much crying out to be experienced and heard and listened to repeatedly to really get to the bottom of it i've probably heard it a dozen times or more and i this sti- i'm still like there's so much to it that i know i haven't even scratched the surface yet i feel like so yeah safe in the hands of love but it's two more and I wonder if he's going to take this on the road. If he could do these songs I, I, live, I'd love to see
0: somewhere somewhere like Village Underground. You know, yeah, that'd be phenomenal.
1: Yeah. Anything else to say about it?
0: No. Just listen. Uh, to l- it. Yeah, listen to. It. I think that's a a good way to end it. Of as a, as a as a true artist. So, yeah, that we've been... Uh. Well, should
1: we just briefly reel off a bunch of albums that also came out that we didn't get time to mention? Uh, yeah, I'll um, go for it. Uh, I love The Beths. Uh, I mean, it's just a classic pop-punk, well, indie pop album, indie pop-punk album from Auckland. Um, like, it's a very simple genre, but when a, when a band comes along and does it as perfectly as they do it, it just is so replayable uh viagra boys i also love um Aphex twin had an ep out uh i mean and the fact that we he, we didn't manage to fit him in whereas we're both Aphex twin disciples just goes to speak for how how much quality there is in these other albums uh i love spirit of the beehive which is kind of like a dream fuzz pop album God, there's so many more. I can't even think. Uh, Richard Swift. Richard Remember, Swift.
0: post, like tragic posthumous, which is, I guess it's, it's, it's like sort of, in a way, it's like re- re- redolent of like the, like 60s beat. Like, yeah. um, or, you know, more like classic garage rock in some ways. Um, but it's, without being nostalgic, it's evocative without being nostalgic. And the songwriting is just so... Straightforwardly satisfying, and it's it's really really quietly brilliant. Yeah, and uh, it just
1: makes it all the more tragic yeah. that he's not going to be around to see it celebrated as it should be. Anyway, then there's a bunch more that we could mention, yeah. but you'll have to find them for yourselves. Will. Well, well,
0: uh, thanks for thanks for listening. I've been uh, Kieran at, on Twitter at no not that Devlin and display Scotsman on an Instagram. That's yes,
1: I'm Rob Hakimian, Rob Hack. On Instagram, that'll do. Oh, follow the four zero five. The yep. four zero five, easy.
0: Yeah, probably should do a resin. Uh Yeah, but uh, see you later, and we'll hopefully be next month with one month, yeah. a full month of stuff. Yeah, because October's going to be big. Yeah, we've we've had we've had the summer half duration, and we'll be back to your ordinarily scheduled programming. All right, see you later. Bye.